Hey, it's Casey. Fastco Works has a bonus episode for you today. It's part of a custom podcast called The First Step, produced in partnership with McKinsey and Company. I'll be back next week with another episode of Creative Conversation. I'm Chris Denson, and this is The First Step, a custom podcast from Fastco Works and McKinsey and Company. We'll talk to successful innovators who have launched creative new digital businesses inside established companies and share the lessons they learned in making the leap. On today's episode, you'll hear my conversation with Max Levchin, co-founder and CEO at Affirm. Then I talk to Dilip Mystery, partner at McKinsey & Company. We discuss risk-taking and its importance to building a new business. All right, I'd like to welcome Max Levchin to the show, co-founder and CEO at Affirm, co-founder of PayPal, Yelp, Slide. Is there anything you don't do, Max? I'm not a successful violinist, ah. as, a, as an example. <laughs> I, I, I do. I also don't play several other hundred instruments. But if you did play an instrument, that would probably be a risky piece of uh, endeavor for you. And that's what we're talking about today is, is risk. Um, you once famously said... Take risks to find out who you really are. What did you mean by that? I think probably the single most important thing to find out in life, especially early on in your career, is what is it that you truly want? A lot of people I know went through life changes, sometimes earlier, sometimes later in life. Professionally, I think that's always tied to this realization that what you really want to do is something else. And a lot of these decisions or a lot of these missed decisions that happened earlier, you know, the major you shouldn't have focused on in college or the first or second or third job you didn't really take for the right reasons. It's all fundamentally about not really knowing, not having that North Star of what it is that you want to do. And part of it is this notion of optimizing for the local maximum where you kind of know something about yourself, about your family, about sort of what people around you have done. You say, well, I, you know, if, if you're ambitious and driven, you can absolutely see, hey, I want to be in a top right quadrant of this, whatever it is that I know. And it seems like this big sort of ambitious, risky thing to do, but it isn't because you know exactly what the maximum outcome is. But the goal in life, at least I think the goal in life should be not finding your personal local maximum. It's the personal global maximum. And the global one only happens when you break out of the box of what you know. That means you have to take a risk. And so the, the, the thing that you quoted, I think, was from the commencement speech I once had the honor of giving. And my goal really was to impart on the graduating class this idea that get out of your comfort zone while you're young, while you have very little to lose, to find out what is the plane, the top right quadrant of which you want to occupy. Don't just stick to the one you know. Uh, those kids were, were blessed to hear those words. You know, when I think about that sort of individual risk, I think about how that translates into business moves, right? You know, where the business moves as an individual or as a unit or it's a young company or it's an old company and collectively there needs to be risk taken. What have you learned about risk and sort of, I guess, uh, collective mindsets inside of an organization? One of the things that I, I now do every day is decide whether a risk is worth taking vis-a-vis -vis its payoff. And you know, Affirm obviously is a risk-based, risk-driven company. We lend money, we participate in financial transactions. There's no such thing as a risk-free financial transaction. 
you're always taking on some counterparty risk, some currency risk, some market risks, yet you kind of have to operate every day to make decisions. And so this idea of creating frameworks, creating ways of reasoning about risks that are acceptable or not is something that you can teach an organization, you can teach yourself as an individual, and then you pretty quickly realize that it's all about degrees. It's never about sort of deer in a headlights moment and you know thinking that you must run away. It's kind of taking risk on from a position of what is the acceptable level of what I can and cannot do and, and so on. And, and it sounds like a bit of a dry processization of this glamorous risk decision making, but it's actually quite the other way around. It gives you the comfort and the certainty to take these big leaps in business, even though from maybe the outside looking in, they look like these terrifying ideas of, you know what, we're going to go raise a crazy amounts of money, or we're not going to go raise crazy amounts of money because we can get profitable on what we have. So all those things ultimately have to fit into a strategy and a framework of reasoning, and then it's a lot easier to deal with. How do you go about mitigating risk, right? When you're assessing an opportunity, what are some of the key factors that you're looking at in determining whether you take that risk or how far you go with it or not? Depends on whether you are taking an offensive or defensive position. In a defensive mode of play, I typically ask kind of a you know, the fundamental risk mitigating question, number one is what's the worst case scenario? What's the best case scenario? Let's look at distribution of outcomes and let's start reasoning about what we think is likely, what we think is less likely, and what level of preparedness we have to have for what we think is the most likely decile quartile of the risk outcomes. And that, that, that's been, that served me well figuring out how to deal with something coming out of left field, so to say. In the offensive play, it's a lot more interesting because there you're, what you're really doing is you're committing resources and you're fundamentally placing a bet. And bets are always risky by definition. In that scenario, what really helps is trying to think of it as a chess game where you ask the question, not just you know what, what happens next, but what will the opposing side do and what will I do in that scenario? And sort of you map out the possibilities of the, the various forks in the road, the decision tree, so to say. And very often, at least I find that many of the trees lead to very similar outcomes, thereby reducing the set of things you really have to consider. In other situations, you're sort of staring at, well, you know, what if I do this and it doesn't sell and I lose all my money? And the only tool at the end of it all is conviction. If you really believe in what you're doing and you've done all the reasoning and all the data gathering you have, and you, as an entrepreneur at least, you have to look at the mirror and say, you know, do you believe what you're about to put yourself or your company or your family through and uh, take the plunge? Sometimes you end up finding out that there's no water in a pool, sometimes the other way around. <laughs> so a lot of what you just mentioned definitely refers to how you interact with other people within your team, right? You as an individual, Max, uh, are very adept at taking risk, right? Where you've got other people who are a little bit more fearful or hesitant. Um, and so you're dealing with different personalities. So how do you go about the the personality management and the softer side of uh, getting people on board with whatever that next step is going to be or the outcome? There's actually something that changes as the company progresses. One of the things that I had to learn over the last eight years of running a firm, what used to work for this sort of like, hey, we're, we're going to take this risk and it's going to be okay. And even if it doesn't work out, it's still going to be okay. That, that's a very important journey to take your team through as you make the you embark on these major decisions. What used to be the, hey, we're all going to file into a room and we're going to say something terrible, exciting, both to each other, and then we're going to look at each other's eyes and say, hey, we're, we're committed here. Let's go do this, and we'll find out if it works or not. And 
you can't do that when you have 800 employees. You have to bring people along, but you have to do this through influence and messaging and repeated messaging to your top managers, and they have to do it with their top managers and so on and so forth. And so this idea of addressing personal worries and fears on your team, the way you do it changes as the company grows. These days, a lot of my time is spent finding the right words. You know, I, many, many years ago, I met this guy, Peter Thiel, and um, I asked him when we decided to start a company together, you know, I said, look, I'm, I'm an engineer, I can write code, what's your skill set? And uh, it was probably a little bit uh, obnoxious back then. <laughs> but uh, his answer, first and foremost, was, I can really write well. I'm an excellent writer. One, it's true about him. But two, these days, I very much appreciate the value of excellent writing because a lot of what I have to do in terms of explaining risk and explaining to our team why we're committed to doing something why we're okay postponing profitability, why we're going to do something that may jeopardize our market position or bet on a partnership or on a deal that seems like a bad idea today has everything to do with how do you speak about it? What, what is the aspirational component? What is the risk mitigating component? How do you reason about what could go wrong, go right? A lot of that has to do with communication and finding the right words that ultimately has to do with the upside, the inspiring piece of the story significantly outweighs the potential downside. And in, in the end, we're going to be okay, even if it doesn't work. But if it does, we will be so much better off. The thing that I learned over the years, you have to give yourself time to fully process. What feels like a punch in the face might actually end up feeling like an amazing opportunity or far less painful or far more neutral or, or, or all kinds of different things. This moment of, wow, that just happened I am not going to react for a little while. And, and sometimes you don't have the luxury. Sometimes, you know, something is flying and you have to duck or, or, or hit back. But a lot of these situations where you feel like it's a gut punch and you just don't know what's going to happen next, you have to give yourself time to react away from everyone else. And I think a lot of us in the uh, PayPal crew learned over the years as we scaled our own companies that some of these things just... The complexity increases. You know, one of the things that's interesting about PayPal that doesn't really get talked about very much, we basically sprinted for four years. We started this company, and first year, you know, the first nine months was a bit of a rough start. We didn't really know what our product was, and then we figured it out, and then it was a sprint, except that we ran the length of a marathon. And then four years in, we took it public, and then a little bit later, we got acquired, and then everything changed, and you know, a lot of us left. And so... Now that there are many PayPal Mafia companies that are significantly longer in a tooth than this four-year sprint that we experienced, a lot of us learned kind of for the first time sometimes what it means to scale a major project well past the four-year mark. And that's where at least I found this ability to say, whoa, now I have to think and I can't allow myself to react, not publicly, not in, in my own brain. This is not a throw your hands up moment. This is just a moment to think something that was a very, very valuable skill that I certainly did not learn back in those days. Uh, beautifully beautifully stated. As you're in a room, um, let's play a game of pretend for a second, you're in a room full of new CEOs and founders. Um, what's the one biggest piece of advice you would give this room about learning to take risks? Don't freeze. Try to be decisive. Uh, that would be an advice I would give myself just as much as I give anybody else. I think one of the more common reactions, and this goes in exact contravention to what I just said earlier, 
that a lot of us have when faced with a new unknown risk is to freeze initially perhaps in fear, but later in over-analysis. And the important bookend to step back, give yourself a chance to react, it's not as bad as you think, and now start acting or start thinking, that bookend has to be start acting. After a while, a leader, CEO certainly, is looked upon not to make the right decision, just to make a decision, period. And so the idea of we're going to plunge forward or, or we're not, the most important thing to do is to say, hey, here's what I've decided we're going to do. You cannot leave the state of the problem in a vacuum because that's when people start thinking maybe you're not the leader we should have. That's great. That's sound, sound advice. One of, there's a quote that I love, which is, the universe is like a GPS. Even if you make a wrong turn, it'll course correct to get you back on track. So thank you. Thank you for joining us today. My pleasure. And now my conversation with Dilip Mystery. All right, my guest today is Dilip Mystery, partner at McKinsey and Company. Hello, Dilip. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great, Chris. How are you? I'm great. And even greater that I'm talking to someone who defines themselves as a venture builder. Tell me a little bit about that phrase. Um, in, in, in my current realm, a venture builder is helping an established organization build a new digital business. That's great. And uh, I would imagine that you can't build any new digital business without a little bit of risk taking. And I would imagine during your career, you, you've had a lot of experience with that. But I'm curious as to how Dillip Mystery defined the idea of risk taking. I think risk taking is about, you know, intentionally interacting with kind of uncertainty. And for many organizations, with the disruption that's happening as a result of the move towards everything becoming digital, building a new digital business is uncertain. So, you know, for me, risk taking for a large organization is how do I play in this new game and, and handle the uncertainty that comes with it? So Dilip, you know, one of the other factors in risk taking is fear. Right. And it's something that we, I don't think we talk about enough when it comes to risk taking, but in your 30 years of experience, how have you seen teams deal with fear or navigate around it or not do a great job of navigating around it? How have you, um, how's it come up in your world? Yeah, I think to be human, you, 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 you gotta, you gotta have a, you know, you, we all have a sense of fear and the best way of dealing with fear is to know your strengths and, you know, what are your gaps, you know? You need to understand those gaps and find experts that can help you address those gaps. So when it comes to digital business building, many large organizations have a fear of entering into spaces which they have no knowledge. You know, they may have gaps in understanding technology. They may have gaps in understanding the type of digital talent you need. Um, they may have gaps in, in how do you go about marketing in this new realm. And so for many of these organizations who are going to be building digital businesses for the first time, the best way to address this fear is to work with experts who've been there, who've done it before, and then can help them make the leap into building new, new digital businesses. 
What are some risk-taking assessments any organization might have to do if they're making a, you know, starting a, a digital business? What are some of those like things where you go, all right, this is going to be risky, but let's do it anyway, and those sort of must-have risks along the way? Yeah, so there's a couple of uh, risks that um, organizations need to look at when building your digital business. You know, one is the the fundamental product or strategy in itself. You know, it, it's a risk for for many organizations because they're in a realm they've never been before. You know, imagine a uh, an incumbent telco looking to build a brand new a streaming business, and, and this is, is something that I've been involved with a client in Southeast. Asia and you know it, it, it's a big risk because you know they know how to serve telco customers you know uh, make uh, make calls and and run data networks but it's very different to running a, a video streaming business so there's a big risk around do we even have the right product and the right strategy to be successful in a very competitive market huge risk second big risk is people we know how to work with telco type people and traditional business type people, but these digital people, they kind of walk differently, talk differently, and get, get, get inspired differently. Do I want to take a risk in recruiting and, and identifying and bringing these people into the fold? And that's a huge risk for a lot of organizations because it's a different type of people. And, and then the third area, I mean, which is also a risk which people don't often talk about, but I think is absolutely critical to digital business building is, what's the culture you want to build? And do you, you know, how far are you willing to go in terms of taking a risk in terms of building that culture? Because frankly, it's the culture that's going to determine success or failure in the end. And so these are the three that I think about all the time. Do you have the right product and strategy? Uh, do you have the right people? And do you have the right culture? How important is risk-taking on the scale and the breadth of things that need to be done on a daily basis? How important is risk to bottom line success? I think, I think you know, risk-taking is, is critical. I mean, you can plan till kingdom come, but the realities of digital business building is things will change and you will need to make decisions and each decision will have an element of risk taken. So I think it's back to the earlier discussion around risk and reward. You know, you need to be confident of, of making those risk uh, reward discussions in order to try and get, uh, get the returns that you want to make. Communication, communication, communication. Absolutely. The only thing I'd like to kind of finish off, finish off with is, you know, practice makes perfect. Just, just embrace the fear within and we'll all become better risk takers. Wise words from Dilip Mystery, partner at McKinsey & Company. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you. That is all for today. The First Step is produced by Fastco Works in partnership with McKinsey & Company. I'm Chris Denson. Thank you for listening. <laughs>